Hey, good morning, church. I trust you are doing phenomenal today. Um, Pastor Brandon here, wherever you're at, tuning online, we are thrilled to have you. Um, we know we got people from all over the states and even some from around the globe checking us out this morning, but rea reality is you're not checking us out. Let's just be frank. You are checking out Jesus. We believe that God is at work. He's never not working. He's drawing all people to himself all the time, even in a season like this. I would even dare say, especially in a season like this. So um, before I take a seat and jump into the word, I, again, I want you to give props and thanks and praise to our tech team. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put our camera person on her toes for a moment, but uh, she actually won't be in it, but she's the one, okay? Her name is Kira Bridgewater. Kira Bridgewater. You can like, you know, do a little tag on the comments, give her a high five. Like she, she's doing a phenomenal job with all of our camera work and everything else like that. But um, I want to show you what we've done. So it, we're, we're actually filming is actually where we meet Sunday morning for our traditional service. And so um, I want you to see what we did to this place, okay? We transformed this place. Look, at we got, we got Josh 1. This is Josh 1. Hey, Josh. The Josh 1, uh, or Broccolo, Josh 1. I say Josh 1 because we got Josh 2 right there. Josh Broccolo, he is giving the Good Friday message, okay? It's going to be awesome. You're going to want to tune into that. And his beautiful bride, Samantha Broccolo, will be singing as well. And we got Kira's husband, Josh number 2, back there. And um, you got this guy over here. I don't even know what he's doing. Look at, look at, ah, I caught him right there. And then we got Chad and Bennett in the, or, sorry, Daniel. That's not Chad. I, Daniel, I am so sorry for insulting you. Do you forgive me? Okay, and Bennett back there. And so, hey, Austin Oaks family, like seriously, I, I, I want you guys to see, they've literally done a phenomenal job to turn this space into a studio so that way we can broadcast these messages to you. And I wish Kira would turn the camera on herself so that way you can see how awesome she is as well. So, okay. So seriously, we are blessed as a church to have a tremendous team. That way we can keep serving you and, and pointing you to Jesus in everything that we do. So this morning is Palm Sunday, okay? Um, and so this, this is an awesome, awesome Sunday as we continue our Lent series to point our hearts, to prepare our hearts towards Jesus, for Jesus, as we look at, the, at Good Friday, what he did, and moving towards Sunday, Easter morning. Um, one of the, the things that we've been talking about is how do we best prepare our hearts in this season? And so um, we've been looking at remembering, looking back in order to see his faithfulness. So that way we are anchored in the present, looking at repentance, which is not just a confession, but a change to kind of just begin to prepare our hearts because that's how we produce fruit in our lives. And so when I think about Palm Sunday, I think about two things, specifically two things that leads to revival or renewal. Okay. I think about the boldness of Jesus and I think about the generosity of Jesus. When you look at the Palm Sunday story, Jesus entering into Jerusalem with his triumphal entry, there was great boldness on his end, right? To go towards the place where he knows he's going to be denied, rejected, ridiculed, humiliated, to be put on the cross. That's boldness. To even to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the religious leaders, to, to go and just say, listen, 
right? Like, listen, repent. The kingdom of God is near. Like, religion, what you do on the outside isn't going to save you. I mean, that's boldness. And then we see the generosity of Jesus by giving his life. So that's what I think about Palm Sunday, and that's exactly what I want to talk about this morning. So before we get into there, I want to highlight a few things that are absolutely important, and they all connect. They all connect towards this message, okay? So Kevin Compelin, our uh, president of our denomination, I interviewed him, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was last week, Tuesday. Um, He sent out an email to the, the free church leaders, to the congregations, and he's calling the denomination to prayer, okay? So I want you to carefully think about this and and join us as we join the denomination and praying and fasting okay so he's asking us to every Wednesday to pray specifically for our free churches for churches across the nation and the globe and pray for COVID-19 right we want to be praying that God uses this to revive hearts now what he's asking us to do and to consider doing is on Good Friday okay this Friday to specifically pray and fast to pray and fast, to call upon the Lord, okay? So even though we will be celebrating communion on a Good Friday, which is totally okay, you can break your fast for that, but we want to encourage you and call you to prayer in this season, okay? And it's not just for the end of the pandemic. There's a greater need. There's a greater issue, and it's a spiritual issue. We need reviving. We need renewal in a lot of areas, okay? So I want to encourage you to do that. Lastly, as we talk about generosity, we are partnering with Clint Small Middle School right down the road from us as Austin Oaks Church. And if you remember, we asked um, the church to bring in supplies, to bring in needs, so that way we can distribute them to families, uh, uh, students and their families who, who are in desperate need. And, and the school is asking for help because of bureaucracy, they can't do certain things. I totally said that word wrong. You can laugh at home. Totally appropriate. And so we want to do that. So here's the deal. We need 100 boxes of all of the supplies. And the supplies list is on Facebook. It's on our website. We need 100 boxes. And so here we are, um, where we're at presently, we have a quarter of that. We have 25 boxes filled. So, church, if 75 families, and I know there's more than 75 families watching this. Maybe some of you already did it. Go into your pantry, look at those things. And even if you have a box, like an actual tangible box, please bring that. We have new drop-off times, specifically today, 1 to 5. You can come to Austin Oaks Church in front of the, you know, where we gather to worship on Sunday. There's a table there. You can drop it off there. Please, we want to get these boxes together so that way, hopefully by the week's end, we can distribute them out to these families of need. Okay. So we want to talk about Palm Sunday boldness, generosity, how that leads to renewal and reviving in our hearts. So what do you think God is doing today? Like if, if you were to just look at the world around us, I mean like literally globally, it's like God hit pause and the whole world is stopping. Like every, everything has just ceased to function the way it has functioned. What we've called life is now interrupted. And, and a lot of times when we see these things happen in history, like it's like God is trying to stir something up in the hearts of people, to draw people to himself. And so that's when we start talking about like this week specifically, going, okay, God, are you up to renewing hearts? Are you up to revival? Are you, are you going to use this for your good and your glory? And the answer is 
Yes, we talked about that. We looked at that. In fact, there was a, um, a survey that went across the nation just a few weeks ago asking people, do you believe that God is doing something, that God is trying to grab attention? And it wasn't just asked to believers. It was asked to anybody and everybody. And 44% of the people, specifically non-believers, 44% of them said, yes, we believe that God is trying to get our attention. 44%. So I saw uh, uh, through a friend's message, he posted this picture of, of shelves at a Walmart. And so um, if we could throw up that picture, like, I mean, this is fascinating. It's like now it's, it's not just toilet paper and foods and gloves and all the food and all that stuff that's being ransacked in grocery stores. Like, look at this. Like, we see a shelf that would normally hold a bunch of Bibles is empty. And I was talking to my daughter last night about this, and I was just like, the reality is, is that more than likely it's not believers who are buying these Bibles. And if it is, maybe they're using them and giving them away. But the reality is, it's probably people who don't know much are looking for answers. There's something stirring in the hearts of people. Okay. And so I do believe more than ever, like just in our timeline, when I say more than ever, in our time, like God is trying to revive us. He's awakening the church to come back to what's most important, which is the mission of the kingdom of God. But he's also drawing people to himself, like globally. I believe that in my heart. So how should we see these times? Like how should we be praying in these times? Like how should we be behaving as believers in these times? So we got to be asking ourselves this question, specifically on Palm Sunday. So what we're going to do this morning is um, on Friday I shared a devotional out of Acts chapter 4. And I had a message that was prepared out of Second Chronicles chapter 29. And um, as I was going through the day on Friday and Saturday, it just, like, it just stirred in my heart. I was like, listen, I'm just going to put 2 Chronicles 29 to the side. And I want to lean in more to Acts chapter 4. Because we see the, the behavior of the early church that was a direct response of the boldness of Jesus and the generosity of Jesus. And it dictated how they behaved. It influenced how they prayed. And so what I want to do is I want to look to, and you can turn with me to um, in scriptures, Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 37. And in this story, in Acts 4, 23 to 27, what we see is the first recorded prayer of the early church. And what we're going to discover is how they saw the external circumstances. We're going to see what filtered their process, how they prayed, what was on the forefront of their minds as they prayed and as they lived in, the part, in a larger story. And so I want to look at this, okay? So Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, and even the first part of chapter 4, there was a lot of cool things that were happening in the early church. The church has no blueprint. They have no model. They don't know what to do. Jesus told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit came down on them in Acts chapter 2, crazy things were happening. They were speaking in their native tongues. And, and thousands of people were in Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And, and they're hearing their name and they're Peter rises up, he tells them about Jesus, he talks about like how they crucified him and he came back alive and now he's, you know, ascended to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God and, and they're cut to the heart, what should we do? And Peter's like, repent for times of renewing and refreshing will come. And thousands of people, thousands of people are coming to know Lord Jesus. I mean, this is a revival. We're talking like in days. It goes from 120 people following Jesus to well over 10,000 people. 
You want to talk about a systems problem? Well, here you go. How do you now shepherd and disciple that many people? What do you do? And so we just see them doing what they felt best, and we see them being directed by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they go to the temple, just what they would normally do for prayer. They see a paralyzed man. They don't have gold or silver to give him, but they give him Jesus, which is what they had, to tell him to rise up and walk. And people are like, oh my goodness, this guy's been paralyzed, you know, for over 40 years, and they're amazed. And they're like, how did you do this? And Peter's like, don't look at us, look to Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which men, you know, be, can be saved. And the leaders are all ticked off. They're greatly annoyed at Peter and John for talking about the name of Jesus. They arrested him. They bring him in. They threaten them. They whip them. They tell him, stop talking about Jesus. In fact, if you read the account, they don't even say Jesus. They're like, they, they, they can't even get themselves to say the name. They just say, stop saying the name. Like, I find that fascinating. So what would you do as a church, as a group of believers in a hostile environment like Jerusalem, when just from 40 some days ago, Jesus, your Lord and Savior Messiah was crucified. You're still in this hostile environment and the leaders, the religious leaders, the, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they wanna snuff out the move of these followers of Jesus. They arrest your number one and number two leaders. Like if you don't know what's happening, we don't have media, we don't know what's going on there. So they're, they're arrested for all we know. They could, be, they could be murdered, they could be executed. What would you be wanting to pray for in that moment as a church? Maybe a, a great question to ask in this, in this moment is, if the vast majority of your prayers that you prayed in the last six months were answered, who would benefit the most? Think about that for a moment. If God were to answer, and I believe he answers every prayer, and sometimes it's yes, no, maybe, but that's for another time. If God answered the majority of your prayers, who would benefit the most? And I think the sad and sobering reality is probably ourselves, right? Like, are we not prone in negative, in trying circumstances where there's potential persecution or pain or fear and anxiety, are, like, are we not prone to first pray, protect me, deliver me, keep me safe, Lord, put me in a hedge of protection, give me traveling mercies, put a helmet on me? I don't know. Like, like we pray for protection and guidance and deliverance. Keep me safe, keep me safe, keep me safe. Provide, provide, provide. And it's so much for me. Like, and I'm not saying we don't pray for that. Of course we do. Like we're told in the Bible to cast our cares and anxieties on him. And that's the point. You give it to him and you leave it alone. But there should be something that should come First, there should be a greater concern and priority first due to the triumphal entry, due to the, res, uh, the crucifixion, due to the resurrection. And so what we see here in this story is this beautiful attitude in this disposition of the early church. So let's look at this in verse 23. When they were released, they went, Peter and John were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now pause, don't read anymore. Like just imagine that. Like, hey guys, we're okay. We were threatened. We got hit. You know, they said, stop talking about the resurrection and stop talking about the name of Jesus. Stop telling people that we crucified him. We did this. We're the enemies. Just stop it. They told us to stop it. Like you can imagine almost like the, 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 the church right, at that point, like, 
go, okay, Peter, John, here, here's the game plan. Now, um, we're not going to let you two go out in public together anymore. Um, in fact, we're going to put a key man policy on you guys because we can't lose you. So maybe tone down the rhetoric a little bit, okay? Um, John, you're the disciple that, like you said, even about yourself, that you're the one that Jesus loved. And, and you, you, know, you, you talk about love. Love's a good message. Nobody gets mad when you talk about love. So talk about love, but don't, don't tell these folks that they crucified Jesus. Just leave the name out. Like they didn't do that. They didn't pray like, hey, we got to keep you safe at all costs. We're going we're gonna to get you now a fleet of escalades and bodyguards and all these types of things. Like they didn't pray for that. Like when they told them that, like, right? And when they heard it in verse 24, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. In other words, they prayed. They immediately started to pray. Like, this is what is fascinating, okay? So for us, when we hear it, like, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Maybe I'm not going to say us, me. When I hear these circumstances, when I see trying scenarios, it's like no different than today. When we're in this scenario, COVID-19, around us today, my instinct is to, God, protect me. God, deliver me. God, keep me safe. When the temptation would be so much easier to, to not be bold, to not be generous. Like they, they didn't do that. So let's look at this, okay? The first thing they did, they were praying. And I want you to hear this, okay? Hearts that have been revived through Jesus Christ. Hearts that have moved from death to life through Jesus. They always pray with the gospel in mind. Hearts that are renewed the gospel is always going to be the filter by which they pray, not themselves. Our struggle is, especially in tough times, is that we become so me-focused and our prayers are so like, dictated that way. Now listen, these guys cared about their, I'm sure they cared about their protection and safety, right? But they didn't like focus on that. I'm sure they did and I'm sure they wanted it. But what was first on their hearts was the gospel. Now notice, I want you to see what they prayed. Because it helps us to think through how we should be living and responding today. Specifically on Palm Sunday when our Lord and Savior, our champion, Jesus embodied boldness and generosity. Look at this. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his denoted. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Stop. Look at what they said. Who did they describe God as when they started to pray? Sovereign Lord. He is sovereign. All dominion, everything created is under him. He rules everything. He controls everything. He is sovereign. 
even in the midst of all the raging, even in the midst of all the trials and the temptations, even in the midst of everything, he is still sovereign. So does that mean God is still in control? Yes. So when you pray, like I love what they did. Before they asked God for anything, before they made any request, before they put any anxiety on God, they first acknowledged he is sovereign, sovereign Lord. And with that in mind, it framed and it filtered everything. We know you made everything. We know that you're in control of all. We know that you make the sun rise and you make the sun set. We know you spoke everything into being. We know that nothing is too hard for you and nothing that's outside of your control, nothing that's outside of your view. There is no one like you. There's no one wiser than you. There is no one power, more powerful than you. You are sovereign. The circumstances are not sovereign. You are sovereign. When we pray so much through me, 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 I just want to lean into this for a moment. Potentially we've made problems the sovereign king. They're, they're tending to control our behaviors. They're, they're tending to influence our decisions because we focus so much on that. Now these believers, this is a hostile environment. Persecution, death like sitting on their doorstep every moment. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. Psalm 46 is a great psalm. It's a great psalm to, to study and read in this season. And in verse 10, it's one of those beautiful little verses that we use and we put up on posters and, and graphics on social media to encourage each other. It says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still. And know that I'm God. And if you actually read that whole psalm, you, talk, you see that he's actually talking about his sovereignty. I will be exalted. The next verse, I will be exalted in the nations. I am the one. Be still and know. So here, here's what I want to say. Before you make requests, be still and know that he is God. Before you try to fix problems, recognize he's sovereign. I'm a fixer. Just ask my wife. Go ahead. I know she's watching. You can ask the question on Facebook. Just comment. Hey, Carissa, when you've got a problem, what does Brandon tend to do? And she'll say he tries to fix the problem. Because that's what I try to do. I like to fix problems. And so I have a hard time listening. It's just in my nature, you know, and what I discovered a lot of times is that she'll talk about the problem and I'm like itching, I'm scratching, I'm ready to fix something. And uh, what I discovered is she doesn't need any of my advice. She doesn't need my solutions. All she wanted was for me to listen. In other words, she just wanted me to be still. And I think a lot of times in these seasons, we, we don't. We, we don't know how to be still. We're anxious. We're trying to fix things. We're trying to take control of things. And when we do that, our eyes drift off of God and we see all the problems. And then we make the problems and the situations sovereign. And when that happens, guess what happens? We're, we, we don't, we're not bold in our faith because we're so concerned about protection and comfort and safety. When our eyes drift away from God being sovereign, we're not disposed to, predisposed to being generous because we have this tendency to hoard, to take care of myself, to make sure all my needs are met. And so I close off. 
But what we're going to see is when we realize that he is sovereign and that our stories are caught up in a larger story, we can be bold. We can be generous. So listen, here it is. I want you to gaze at God's sovereignty and just glance at the problems. Gaze at his sovereignty. Be still and focus. Let that be the first thing that comes out of your mouth in worship, in prayer, in conversations with people. God is sovereign. He is sovereign. He's in control. He saw this. He's not surprised by anything that's happening in our lives. And this is not just a message specifically related to COVID-19. Even though it applies to it, this is a wake-up call for believers in the church to realize this is how we're supposed to live. This is how we're supposed to pray. So use this season that we're in to allow God's Spirit to renew our hearts, to revive our hearts. Folks, glare, stare, gaze at God's sovereignty and just glance at your problems. Don't ignore the problems. Of course, you want to understand them, but don't stare at them. Just glance at it and give it to God. Now look at this. In verse 25, they're they're quoting the Old Testament. They're looking back at the Old Testament, things that God said, and this is helping them make the connections. God, you're sovereign. You said years ago, thousands of years ago, that this was going to happen, and we're living. We are literally living in the time, in the midst of this prophecy being fulfilled. Oh my goodness. And imagine what would happen when you realize your story is caught up in a much larger story. Why did the Gentiles rage? They plotted in vain. Oh my goodness, verse 27, for truly in this city, like in Jerusalem, right where we're at, right where we're praying, they were gathered against, you know, your servant Jesus. We got Herod and Pontius Pilate. They did not what they wanted to do because you're sovereign. They did actually what your hand and your plan predestined to take place. How? Outside of Good Friday and Easter, how is this circumstance, recognizing that they were part of, caught up in a larger story, how is that any different than right now? Do you believe God is at work today? Do you believe that God is stirring up hearts Today, Do you believe that maybe, just maybe, God is going to use this global pandemic for his glory? And if so, do you see that maybe God foresaw this all the way back and predetermined what was going to happen and what he's going to do in this moment? And do you realize that maybe God had seen, like he says in Acts 17, that he's caused people to live in such a time and a place wherever they're at in their location so that all people would call upon the name of Jesus? Do you maybe just think that God knew that this was the right time and the right season for you and your family and your kids to be living now so that way you could advance the gospel? of Jesus Christ now? Or is it just all random? If God is sovereign, you have to answer yes to everything else besides, besides the random question. He is at work. He did decide for you to live and breathe in this moment. He did decide for you to live wherever you're living. He did say, yes, this is the family and the group of people that are going to be in your life. These are your colleagues, your co-workers, yes. And yes, I am going to use this global pandemic for my, for my glory and for your good and for people's hearts to come back to know me. 
It could it be that maybe this week is a week that God could cause a revival in the hearts of people and awaken the church again? Could it be because it's Good Friday that we could together globally now more than ever before are broadcasting the gospel? Could it be that maybe God is going to use this opportunity to showcase his son Jesus? And maybe we could realize on Sunday that there is no grave, that it is, it's, Easter is always going to be the declaration of the death of death, that there is no grave that could hold back Jesus. I believe, church, and whoever's listening, that right now we are caught up in a much, much larger story. And it goes beyond shelter at place. It goes beyond being quarantined. It goes beyond any of that. He's sovereign. So instead of first focusing on your problems and praying for you, 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 me, 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 protect me, God put a hedge of protection around me and put my whole house in this face mask so nothing can breathe or enter in. Like, yes, we're not saying none of that stuff is important. We're not saying any of that. That maybe, just maybe, we should pray with the gospel in mind first. You are sovereign. Now look at the request because they haven't made any request. Now, Lord, verse 29. That, that's a, I love those two words. And now, Lord, we recognize who you are. We recognize that you have created this moment. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants, pause, what would be the, the prayer request that we would probably want to pray right there? Go ahead, post it. Go ahead. Lord, look at the threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. What got them in the mess? Wouldn't it be boldness that put them in this predicament? I mean, it all started with Jesus. Jesus was bold to enter Jerusalem like a king in the most humbling way. To die, he, he became weak. He, he was bold. He didn't shrink back one moment. And if Jesus was bold, maybe we too can be bold. When we think about the gospel, our protection and our safety is in his hands. He knows the hairs in our head. He knows our time. He, he knows all that. Maybe I shouldn't worry about that and let that be in his hands, but yet I talk about him. You see, this was the instinct. This was the, the, the um, I, I totally forgot what I was going to say. The, um, I'm just going to move on because I can't remember the word I was trying to think of. This was their natural reflex to this. Problem, Lord, we're going to continue to speak boldly in your name. They told us to not talk about the death. They told us to not talk about the resurrection. They told us not to use the name Jesus anymore, but we're going to. So as you look at their threats, grant us, your servants, to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Folks, listen, when we are caught up in a larger story, when we realize that he is sovereign and maybe he's organized and orchestrated these circumstances for such a time as this, it produces inside of us an anticipation to be bold. 
You have to look beyond yourself in this season. Church, listen. You have to look beyond yourself in this season. You have to look to God, his sovereignty, his greater purposes. And when you realize maybe that he's using this, he is using it for his glory and for our good, it should produce inside of you a boldness to take calculated risks, risks and, and like spontaneous risks for Jesus. Look at, and like, I love what he does. He, they continue to pray. It's like, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are being performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And in other words, they're like, these, these signs and these wonders weren't within the church walls. Like, they're like saying, it's like, don't do these signs and wonders just for us. So we can go, woo, God, you're awesome. We can create another worship song so we can be more, even more excited to worship you. Like, no, no. All of these signs and wonders and miracles and all those things were done outside of the church, in the community, in public, so that people can see God's power connected to the gospel of Jesus. So that they would see that as a sign and see Jesus. But that happened because they were bold. They're like, God, we are, we're, we're going to continue to be bold. So grant us this ability to be even more bold. And as we go, we're going to continue to go. Would you demonstrate your power in our message? Would you do that? And when they prayed, the whole place in which they gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I mean, this is awesome. When they realized that he was sovereign, they realized what God was doing in their time, in their midst. They were like, we want to continue to be bold. This is not the time to shrink back. This is not the time just to huddle in our little groups. This is the time for us to continue to go out now online through all the other mediums and just tell people about Jesus. We're going to keep witnessing of what we've seen and heard and how our lives have been renewed. Because that's what happens when God grabs hold of us. That's what happens. And I love this picture of the room being shaken. And Because anytime God comes down in the Bible, you see things being shook. The earth and its foundations being shook. And he came down and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not another baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just a, a, almost like a, another empowering because their hearts were connected. It's like a, 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 another anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a filling. It's not like, oh, we have more and more baptisms of the Holy Spirit. That's not what it is. I love what D.L. Moody, um, he would say, is like he, he constantly asks to be filled with the Holy Spirit because he says, I have a slow leak, which is so true. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and that led them. That's what led them to continue to be bold. But that's not the end of the story because when we look at Jesus, the triumphal entry reminds us that he was bold and he was generous. And if you look at verse 32 all the way through 37, and I'm not going to read it all. You got time. You got plenty of time. Read the rest. You're going to see an extraordinary act of generosity. Because their eyes weren't on them. Everything was being filtered through the gospel. And when it's filtered through the gospel, boldness is a natural byproduct and generosity is always a natural byproduct. It was a move of grace. This is what the church is. People who are gathered around the death and resurrection. Now think about this for, the moment, for a moment. As we enter into Holy Week, Good Friday, as we look at the cross, 
should remind us of a whole bunch of things. But I want you to think about it this way. God was sovereign. It was all planned. But not only that, when you look at the cross, it's God's generosity. So when we look at the cross, we should be compelled to be generous. I, I, I would have to make an argument that if, if you're not generous, you probably don't understand the gospel. You can't receive the gospel and not see the generosity of God and so be moved to want to be generous, regardless of how much you have. We have stories in the Bible, and in First and Second Corinthians, we got the story of the church in Macedonia. They were the poorest church, but yet they were the most generous church because they understood the gospel. It was in their heart. So can I, I want to speak plainly, and um, I have no idea how you're going to receive this, but I just want to speak into this. Um, church, this is not a season to not be generous. This is a season to continue to be generous. And I'm not saying that because we're financially in need and all this kind of stuff. Like, no, we're good. We're good. Thank you. We're good. But we also know there are people in our church community that aren't good. We, we know that um, there's some people in our church that tithe faithfully, but they lost their job and maybe they're not able to tithe anymore. And that we know that there's some of you who aren't that impacted by what's happening financially. Would, could this be a season where maybe your expenses aren't as high that you could give more in this season? Could it, some of you are going to receive a stimulus check. Who knows when, but if you receive one and you don't need it, would you consider giving it? It's, it's not like, it's a heart thing, okay? So I just want you to hear that. It's about generosity. We're all called to be generous because that, we're people of, of Jesus. We follow him. And when you, we follow him, it produces inside of us a boldness of spirit and a generosity inside of us. And so when we look at the resurrection coming up on Easter morning, that should be, give us every reason to be bold. We know the story ends well no matter what happens. Because of the resurrection, we know the story ends well, church. We know the ending. Death is nothing but a, 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 a transition. <laughs> That's all it is. Generosity and boldness. It's a direct reflection of Jesus on Palm Sunday. So, here's what I'm going to ask. Here's what I'm going to ask. Two things that come right out of this text. Gaze at his sovereignty, glance at the problems. Be still and know that I'm God, okay? That's the first thing. Get your heart right. Second thing, strive to be generous. Strive to be generous. Don't allow fear of the things around to cause you to not act in faith. Use this as an opportunity to dialogue with God and what generosity looks like for you in this season. Third thing, okay? I thought of this last night. I didn't share this with anybody. And, and I wish you could probably see the faces of some of the tech folks behind me because when they hear what I'm about to say, they're probably going to go, what? Um, here, here's my thought. What if, what if everybody who's part of AOC, all of you who is online right now, and what if this goes viral, this would be really sweet, that this week, every single one of you does a Facebook Live or something, and all you do is share your story of how Jesus moved you from death to life. And you can do things on Facebook, like we're, we'll send out some hashtags or something as I'm 
thinking of this up right now on the spot. Um, we'll create some hashtags for this to happen. And, and like, what if like you created even like a, a like a, a party, a host a party type of thing and invited people? What if like on your, on your own wall in Facebook, you said, hey, on Monday or Tuesday, I, I want to tell you my story and just leave it at that and get people on there to watch it and just tell your testimony. Share your story. What if this was the week of boldness for us and we just told how Jesus changed our lives, how he's given us hope in this season, in this moment, how he's bringing peace in the midst of the storm. Like what if? Like how awesome would that be? Who's in? Who's in? I'll send out some details a little bit later this evening on that. Let's do that. How awesome would that be, church? How awesome would that be? So I want to pray for us as we end um, this moment of worship. Now, before you, you click off and tune out, um, those of you with kids, uh, right after I am done praying, we're going to have a kids program. So gather up your kids around the screen, whatever screen you're watching this on, and, and use this opportunity and dialogue. Let your kids engage with Jesus. So, Father, I thank you for your word. We are thankful for this season, for this Sunday, where we remember of the, the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of your son, Jesus. Lord, it reminds us of his boldness and his generosity and how we can respond in kind and should respond in kind. And Lord, I ask that right now in this moment, every single one of us, that your sovereignty would be the attribute that would be grabbing our hearts. That would bring us security. That would bring us peace. Lord, allow that to be the thing we fixate on. Let that be the thing that causes us to be still and to know deep in our hearts that you are God. Lord, I'm asking that this week as we start to share our stories and, and get those stories out there of transformation, Lord, I pray that many people will be touched and that many people will be tuning in to Easter this week. And so, Father, we pray for people to see you, to know you, and to come to a saving faith in your son, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Blessings, church.